0: or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. The Faithway. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church online. I think we have half the church out on vacation still, right? (laughs) Or where? Or on missions trips, yes. So with announcements today's, Um, we did get to speak to our our team that went to Cuba, and everyone is doing great. Everyone is uh, arrive safely. Everyone is doing healthily and they're excited and already doing what they're called to do. So we just want to keep continuing to pray for them so that they can, you know, be a fire and then get back home to us safely as well, right? We're expecting lots and lots of testimonies from them whenever they come back. So if this is your uh, first time here today or joining us online, just let us know somewhere in the chat at any point during the service that this is your first time and someone would love to reach out to you and get to know you better so at this time kids you guys are dismissed we have nursery right here in the hallway foyer jam club for our preschoolers right next door Uh, you guys will be collecting super kids you guys will be coming with me to super kids today and youth you guys will be going out with miss betty so you guys are dismissed and you guys are blessed so let us all just go ahead and open up our hearts and get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way the faith way
1: Test, test. Well, good morning, good morning. everyone. <laughs> so you, you Come Sunday, you don't ever know who's going to show up. You don't even know if the pastor's going to show up, right? No, it's all good. Glory to God. Yeah, a lot going on this week. As, as Kathy mentioned, I got, a, I got a few pictures back from Cuba, so I'll throw those up there. So for those of you that are, um, you know, wondering what, what are we doing in Cuba... We're trying to just shine a little light. That's all we're trying to do. So RJ, if you can show them just real quick. So I got a, um, Joel sent me, you know, the team. Very few pictures coming in yet, but um, we got a couple of what they're doing. So there you go. That's um, that's actually the same place we had our convention in 2018, that same hall. And there's one little one there. You see? There you go. Got one more I wish you guys would do that. There you have it. Thanks, Archie. So, you know, you guys sit here and you, you watch this a little bit and you're like, oh, that's cool. But you got to understand, you know, in 2016 was the first year that we actually had internet in Cuba. You know, we didn't have even internet because it was all blocked. You know, you could send emails, but you couldn't. So the fact that we're getting even pictures, you think about, oh, that's cute. No, it's a, it's a big thing. And what I was telling them, somebody yesterday, I don't remember who, I have a lot of conversations, but somebody said, you know, you got to think about significance of a church in a little town in south texas that nobody ever heard of Hebronville, you know and god can take a church like this and do something and sometimes it's not how many you know how many people come to church you know right now it's like like kathy said you know i kind of want to get through summer because it's like wow you know where are all the people but you know the thing is people lose interest they do lose interest but the reason they lose interest is they lose focus you lose interest when you lose focus and You know, I know hopefully a lot of our online audience is listening to this, and hopefully there's a lot of our online audience that should be in the building. I want to be careful because people get all, you know, hurt when they tell them. But when you miss out, you know, if you are available to come in church and you're not coming, you're missing out on part of that. That, So it's not just one thing. It's not I'm watching it online. It's the whole environment. And, you know, I mentioned that briefly two weeks ago when I was here. But, um, you know, I just want you to be excited. You know, God is good. You know, things are changing. Cuba's being... Affected by what Hebron Bill does, and you know, just to see the joy, and again, the the situation and the circumstances of those people are so so complicated and so very difficult. And for us to just be able, I was thinking along these lines yesterday. I talked to yanish she called me, and you know, just the fact that we can bring a little joy, you know, bring a little something to to because it's, it's really complicated for the people down there. So again, thank you guys for your partnership. If you're watching us online and You're part of the Cuba outreach, you've given, you've supported it in prayer or giving or whatever. Well, thank you, the the team is doing great. I got a good report. I was um, actually dealing with two different situations yesterday on one call, and then I got a call from Yanis, and I was trying to figure out, you know, nothing bad happened, but my daughter and her family were right before a really serious accident, like two or three seconds, and so I was on the phone like that, and Yanis called me, and I'm thinking, okay, now what happened in Cuba, right? So I'm expecting, like, some bad news from Cuba, and I'm like, no, everything's good. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, right? you know, because it was one of those days. So, um, you know, God is good and God is faithful. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Amen. And before I, well, I was going to show off my new grandson, but he's eating. I'll show him later. So he finally made it to church. So praise God for that. So we're blessed with Caleb's in the house. All right, let's get into it this morning. And um, I want to kind of pick up where I left off but I do want to build a little bit of what HH brought last week. And I thought it was so good. And, you know, he, he brought us back to talking about the covenant. And I did, you know, I was, I was driving and for, I, I listened to most of the service, you know, almost toward the end of the signal got bad and I didn't hear the, the, the very end. But, you know, the, the foundation that he brought is really so important. So I'm thinking, you know, I know H enough and we've traveled together and we've preached in all the different parts of the world together. That I know that he's sensitive enough not to just say, okay, I'm just going to go on a subject, and then pastor can come back. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. You know, even in the Bible, the Holy Spirit doesn't change, you know, harsh directions. So I'm thinking, you know, where is this? So after listening to him and listening to these foundations that have been life-changing in my life, you know, just the fact, if you understand covenant, I think that's, let me back up. I think that's one of the main reasons people don't even understand Christianity. You can't understand Christianity unless you understand what a covenant is. Because God was very serious about this covenant. He's actually way more serious than we are. Amen? I mean, he committed all of it. So, the covenant is basically, you know, as H mentioned, you know, the modern word, which is a very loose, loose word. I don't think it should even be used, but we don't have another thing, you know, to conceptualize it in your head would be a contract but a contract is a very low level of covenant because the covenant that god was talking about was a covenant of blood it was a covenant of words and what made powerful the covenant was the word and if you if you and, and, I'm, and I'm just kind of leading into where i want to go with this so if you studied out in hebrews you find out a very you know i spent a lot of time many years ago studying this thing out because it, i just couldn't seem to grab it and he says you know there are two immutable things There are two immutable things. And when I would read that in the book of Hebrews, I could only find, it seemed like I could only find one. But there are two immutable things. That the immutable things means non-movable. And one of them was, God cannot lie. He doesn't have the ability to lie. Think about that. So if God says, I mean, if God says, I saw a dog with four legs and purple, and he had three horns, you're like, If I say that, it's like, Pastor, what you've been smoking, right? But if God says it, you better get ready. Because that thing is going to show up somewhere. Because God does not have the ability to speak falsely. We do. And we do it every day. Come on, let's just be honest. We wear a lot of masks. We have to in some certain situations. But God does not have that ability. So what he speaks is truth. And then it's up to us to line our life up to truth, right? So that's really the foundation of covenant. But then, the, you know, the immutable things is on, on based on two things, that God cannot lie. Get, get, this is the big one. And he was so focused on that, he wanted to make sure that you got this, or that we got this, that he swore upon himself. That's the second immutable thing. So the number, you know, it says God cannot lie. Are you with me? But then to make that very clear to you, because this is a thing. I don't know how you guys, you know, I wasn't raised in Texas. I was raised in Mexico, and Mexico has a different culture, even though we're Mexicans. You know, your version of Mexicans is way different from my version of Mexicans, okay? But, you know, you grew up with a lot of things. And one of the things, even though we weren't Catholic and I got a lot of trouble for doing it, because my mom was, you know, hardcore Baptist, you would swear <laughs> on something bigger than you. Come on. Yeah, don't act like that. Like if you broke the window and you wanted to lie yourself out and nobody believed you, you would kill your mama over that window. Right? You would, I swear on my mom's life I didn't break it. You lie, you fry, right? But that, what that meant is that you were, you, were, you were swearing, in other words, not swearing as cussing, but you were trying to prove to somebody by bringing something greater than you to prove the point that you're right. Because who in this right mind would want to wish the death of their mother, right? So by you saying, on my mom's life, I promise or I swear to the receiving ear, they're like, well, I don't believe you, but you brought your mom in. So, so yeah, maybe you're telling me the truth. Well, I know that sounds silly, but you have to understand that that's what God did, but he had nobody higher. Pay attention now. Because if you understand this, this is the foundation of covenant, foundation of stillness, foundation of... He swore upon himself. In other words, if God was to lie, he has to stop being God. And if God stops being God, don't worry about Joe Biden, don't worry about Putin. It's all done. The whole universe collapses because he holds it, right? In his hand. So God does not have the ability to lie, but to make that very, very, very clear to you, he said, I swear upon myself. And that simply means that if I ever tell you a lie, I have to stop being God. Okay, with that, with that very simple understanding of what covenant is, so you see how when you use the word contract, it's like, eh. But when you talk about on those terms that somebody swore upon their own life to meet this covenant. Amen. Now, our westernized mind really does not understand covenant. Let's just be honest. You know, maybe through our background, you know, I think the Hispanic culture, the Native American culture, has uh, even a deeper understanding of covenant. But covenant simply means you came in agreement with me that everything I have, 100% of I have, and 100% of what you have is available to both parties. There's no 90%, there's no 80%. And that is a very, very... So, so you can see where when you use the word contract, it's not as... So when you understand covenant, I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to lead you into this. Let's go to the first one. I want you to go to Isaiah 5410. Because I want to talk a little bit about, about this covenant of peace and how it relates to this idea of stillness. How does it relate to, you know, seeking a place in your life where, number one, you understand how God is committed to you. Amen. And, you know, praise God that you're in the church. Praise God that if those of you watching me online, I thank you that you're watching online. But this is kind of the commitment. Covenant demands a commitment on both sides. Thank you for excitement on that one. But Christians, we tend to press, put the pressure of covenant just on God. God, heal me. God, fix it. God, repair me. God, protect me. God, 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 God. But then when God makes a requirement on your life, we come up with a bunch of excuses or reasons why we can't give, we can't tithe, we can't go, we can't serve. Hey, thank you. Amen. So the covenant is a little off balance, right? God is, God is committed 100%. So the question is, are we committed 100%? Well, let's just be honest, probably not, including myself. You know, we, we say we are, but, you know, a lot of circumstances in our life, you know, if you have something to do on Sunday morning that, you know, might interfere <laughs> with church, many, cha- many times, you know, you'll pick, and again, I'm not putting about coming to church. That's not the point. The point is the commitment to covenant thinking the commitment to covenant living will bring you to a place where the covenant of peace is established. Now, when you talk covenants, there's various sides to this, and this is not the session to do it. But when, when God brings up the covenant of peace, some people call it the covenant of blessing. So in Isaiah 54.10, he makes mention, and it's mentioned many times in the Bible, not, not just here. But he says, for though the mountains should depart and the hills be shaken or removed, yet my love and kindness shall not deprive from you, nor... Shall my covenant of peace, now pay attention to this, and completeness be removed? Says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Now this is beautiful reading because it's got you know he talks about his love, his kindness, his covenant of you know peace and completeness. So the covenant of peace, if you take the root word, you know the Hebrew word shalom, which is the most common word for peace. It's a, it's a hard, not hard. It's it's a long definition. But it can summarize itself very simply to say, nothing missing, nothing broken. Go ahead and say that. Say nothing missing, nothing missing, nothing broken. So that sets your life. You know, to say, I look at my life today, there's many things that are missing, many things that are broken. Not as many as there were 20 years ago. Say amen. Because if, you know, if, we're, not, if we're not moving forward in this, then what are we doing? So there should be progress. Where did you start with Jesus? And where are you today? You should be better off. You should be better blessed. You should have a better marriage. Your kids should be behaving better. Amen. Because that is the, the evidence that you have a relationship, not just with religion, hopefully not with religion, but with a covenant-making God. Now, the covenant of peace, this is where I want to build this morning, because the covenant of peace, the covenant of shalom, summarizes to this, nothing missing, nothing broken. So, say, Pastor, I thought we are talking about stillness and, 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 and finding this place. Well, it is very important because peace... The covenant of peace really demands peace for it to function in. Explain that. Okay, I'll explain it. If I'm pursuing peace in my life, if I'm pursuing stillness, if I'm trying to understand what this covenant of peace is, and everything else in my life outside of that is to irritate people and to not be a good person and to just be fighting and just be too picking and just being critical about everything then it's going to be really, really hard to find peace. So the covenant of peace is available, or you could even say the covenant of stillness, the covenant of quiet, the covenant of nothing missing, nothing broken, because that is really the place that God wants you to come into. Now this, I'll tell you right now, this this sermon this morning is probably going to have to be split in two parts because there's a lot of stuff I want to get to and I'm not rushing any of it. So let's go on to another one. I'm just going to keep building on this. Isaiah 40, 31. this is... I got a couple of stories with this scripture, beautiful scripture. Isaiah 40:31 says, but they who wait, and I added that word because that is really the word, the Hebrew word, rest. For the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, I, this scripture, I remember when I first got born again in 1992 was soon thereafter. I got a bumper sticker on my old truck that I had bought at a auction because we were like zero of everything. And I remember getting that sticker and had that scripture. Well, for a long time, you know, our life was such a mess. <laughs> everything was, I know, the only good thing in our life was God. I mean, I was, you know, I'm not going to drag you through all that. But my point of it is, I thought this scripture meant you wait on God. Because, you know, that's what everybody teaches you. That's what religion teaches you. You know, something's not going the way you think it is. And some, you know, cute, amazing religious Christian will come to and say, it's just not God's timing yet. Really? Can you give me scripture for that? <laughs> because I still haven't found the God-timing scripture. And, but, you know, it's kind of a cop-out, right? It's like, well, you know, God's going to show up, but it's not his time yet. Well, that is kind of weird because really there is no set. I have not seen anywhere in the Bible where it even brings that idea up. Now, if, I'm, if somebody here has seen that, please correct me. Not right now. Correct me after church, okay? And I'll correct it next Sunday. But I've been doing this almost 30 years, guys. (laughs) I got a little bit of experience. And I just don't see where this idea of, okay, let's just hang out here, see if God's going to show up and heal me and fix it and pay for the bill and deliver me. And that's not what it means at all. Nothing like that. But that was my idea because we needed. So I was over here like, hey, God, you coming? Ooh, God, you're late. (laughs) You should have showed up three days ago. They just cut my lights out. God, where are you, God? Everybody been there? You ask God for something, it doesn't show up, and now you're stressing it, and now, you know, you go into this weird mindset. Because you're thinking, God, you're supposed to wait on God like you're waiting for the bus. And that's not nothing, what that scripture means. Well, that's what it meant to me, so I'm trying to clear that up to you. So once again, you know, when you, when you understand, you know, God is trying to bring us all into this covenant of peace. Because the reason he wants us to understand the covenant of peace, that's where he speaks, That's the only place where he speaks. The only other place where he speaks would be in the area of judgment. (laughs) We're not there, right? Dispensation of grace. So he will speak, but he'll never speak outside that covenant. Well, I can't hear God. Well, maybe you're not tuned in. You know, if you want to hear one radio station, you got it on a different frequency. You got to tune it in, and the tuning in comes by tuning out. That's a good word. (laughs) That's your word this morning. To tune in, you got to tune out. You can't tune into spirit and not tune out the the sound of the world. You know, there's a conflict in there. And that's what happens with our mind. And I'm really going to work on this this morning. So I'm just kind of building a huge foundation. So what does this actually mean? Those who wait, the real word is rest. It's rest. It's not, oh, I hope he shows up. It is establishing that whatever the outcome of whatever you ask for, really at the end of the day doesn't really matter, because you've already made a decision to rest over it. Well, what if he heals me? Well, that'd be awesome. What if I don't get healed? well you, you've you have to already have decided what that looks like, because you know I'm, not, I'm just going to say not a cold and not a you know little sickness. I'm talking about serious, life-threatening sicknesses. At the end of that sickness is your death. But it's not really your death, it's your home going. (laughs) You see it? But, you know, why am I bringing this up? Because the resting part is to establish, Lord, I have requested of you, and I'm going to show you how this works in a few minutes, according to the covenant, the following. At that point, stillness kicks in. It should rest kicks in be still and know what does that even mean how can you be still and know if it hasn't shown up because be still and know means that you know god not that you know if he's going to show up or not be still and know because the weight is a place of resting and here's the th- here's where i'm going i'm just gonna make a quick point then i'm gonna move on to rest in any of your circumstances, and I'm going to show you how this works in a minute, that is really the pursuit of what this whole message has been about. How do I rest when my whole world is falling apart? How, how can I rest when my, you know, my marriage is falling apart? How can I rest when the doctor's report is this negative? Why can I rest you know, when, when I'm hiding my car behind the, you know, somebody else's building so they don't repo it? How can I rest when the whole world is crumbling? How can I rest when you know, gas is I can't even afford to put gas in my car? How can I rest, Pastor? Well, that's not... You see, you're, you're comparing a natural ability to not stress with the spiritual covenant of peace rest. And those are two completely different things. Because of the spirit, actually the title of my message was different, was called Stillness in Spirit. You know, because we 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 talked two weeks ago about stillness of heart. Stillness of spirit is a little different. But the stillness of spirit comes from deciding once and for all, it's very simple, kind of dumb what I'm going to say, but it works for me. If God can't fix it, it don't need to be fixed. As much as you want that fixed, as much as you want that figured out, you've got to do your part. You've got to make sure you know, you're doing, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's and not being an idiot and you know, speaking the right things. But at the end of the day, it's not your call. When you, it's not your call, guess what happens? <laughs> this is so deep. Come on, guys. It's only a few of you, so I need a lot of noise this morning. When it's not your call, guess what happens? You rest. You totally rest. You know, do you ever get worked out, like totally worked up over somebody else's light bill? Nope. I don't worry about your light bill. And you probably have not had one thought about my light bill in the last six years of your life. so. So what does that even mean? Well, I'm resting over your light bill. Totally at rest. But what if they cut my lights out? I don't, it won't affect me. I'm just resting over it. I'll buy you a candle. I'll let you sit in the church where it's nice and cold. But I'm resting because it's, guess what? It's not my problem. You, you watch this now? Covenant thinking moves you to a place where you do everything you know what to do. You know how to pray. You know how to line up your words to the covenant. You know how not to be an idiot. You know how to forgive. You know how to walk in love? Are you still with me? All these little things, all these little simple christian things that we do are the foundation of rest. Because once I have determined that I can't fix something in my life, there's an exercise that's going to kick in. Which is, can you convince yourself that you can't fix that? Because for the human nature is, even though we know we can't fix it, we will bury ourselves in stress. We will bury ourselves in fear. We will bury ourselves in, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Even though you don't have the answer. So that is a lot of wasted energy. And it's not only wasted energy. It's making you sick. It's making you depressed. It's making you hard to get along with. Nobody can stand you at the house anymore because you're just negative. Okay, I'm not talking to anybody here. Sorry. Maybe the ones that didn't show up, were supposed to hear that part. All right. My point is, once it's out of my hands, it has to be in his hands. That's covenant. And that's what we're going to learn how to do. Hopefully today. If not, we'll just take it next week. So when you talk about those that wait, change the word wait for rest. We have to learn how to rest because rest is where stillness is. The covenant of peace could also be called a covenant of rest. Isn't that good? A covenant of rest, a place where you can rest over life circumstances, a place where you can say, you know what? If God doesn't have this, it doesn't need to be had, period. Amen? All right, let's move on. So with that in mind, let me give you another one, Psalm 37. We're just going to shotgun a bunch of scriptures this morning. Psalm 37 reads, be still before the Lord and wait. Now remember what what I, I just defined the word wait for you. Rest. Everybody say rest. Be still before the Lord and rest, or wait patiently for Him. And then here comes stress. Fret. I like the word fret. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way. So, what does that even mean? Well, let's, just, let's not, you know, pick it out into the specific that it means. A little more, generalize it a little more. But he says... Be still before the Lord and wait patiently. In other words, quit looking around. That's what it means. Quit looking around at everything else because I'm over here trying to believe God. You know, I'm, I'm Lord, I've served you. Trust me, I've prayed this prayer. And I've given and I've tithed and I believe 30, 60, and 100. But right now, one-to-one would really work, be good. Nobody's been there? And then you're over here and, and, you know, you're doing and somebody that you know, maybe they're Christian, maybe they're not. And they just seem to have it together and they're driving the nice car and they're living in the nice home. And they got all their stuff and you're over here serving God and guess what happens? Your focus is off now. Because instead of focusing on Him and your situation only, you start drifting. You start f- losing focus. And now you're focusing on, others, on other person's life. But the thing is about that other person's life, all you see about that other person's life is their exterior. You don't know if you really want their life. You know, some of these big houses and the big nice cars and the big everything come with a lot of strife. They come with a lot of pain inside that house and come with a lot of kids that hate their parents. Because parents were more concerned about making money than making decent human beings. Amen. Not everything's about money, guys. (laughs) All the millennials are, yes, it is, yes, it is. No, trust me, it's not. (laughs) I mean, you need it. But you can be very wealthy and very miserable, all right? And I've seen a lot of joy in people that don't have a whole lot of things. You go to Cuba and they find how to have joy. They figure this thing out, and they don't have a whole lot of stuff. So pay attention. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. So number one, if you really are going to seek a covenant of peace, stop worrying about other people's business. Mind your own business. Isn't that a revelation? Somebody just you should like get a tattoo of that. Fret, fretting, worrying, watching, looking at everybody else's circumstances and wondering why yours is not that. Well, if that's the case, well, I, you, know, oh, you know, look at Bill Gates, look at all the millions. Yeah, look at Bill Gates' life. There's a lot of darkness in that man. I don't know about his darkness, but his wife left him for being dark, so go figure. She knows what's up. Well, wealthiest man in the world, but I don't think he's got a lot of joy. Well, maybe, maybe, you know, I guess you could get on your airplane on your yacht and feel better. But you're still miserable. Again, I don't know nothing about Mr. Gates. I'm just saying what we see is not really a life to be enviable. I mean, you know, just your wife left you. I don't want my wife to leave me, to be wrapped up in some scandal that he has to do with the Epstein and that crazy stuff. I don't want that. Are you following? You see, fretting is something you do, something I do. And God told you not to do it but if you choose to do it, guess what God does? He lets you do it. <laughs> Fret all day. Go for it. Worry about it. Why is everybody on there? You know, why is everybody on track? Why is everybody got it together? How come you don't got it together? And boy, now the voice of God is gone. The peace of God is gone. And you still love Jesus. You still speak in tongues. But there's no peace in you. Because your peace is not regulated from spirit to spirit. It's regulated from flesh to soul. You follow me? Peace of God comes from spirit to spirit. It doesn't come from from flesh. Because, you see, the the flesh piece is determined. If I have enough money, if I have a roof over my head, if I have all these situations lined up, you know, my health, my wealth, you know, my kids, the whole. if everything is structured properly, and that's what they teach you, right? Go to school, get a career, make enough money so you can live happily ever after. Well, we find out that that's not exactly how it worked out for you, did it? Yes, we've got some money. Yes, we're comfortable. But the happiness is not something that comes with money or with people. Or let me just put it this, or with any kind of noun. We mentioned that two weeks ago, and I don't, you don't know how to rub people the wrong way or not, but you know, we pursue nouns. We pursue people, places, experiences, and trying to fill our stuff, and that is not where peace is. you got to have peace before you enjoy your vacation. <laughs> I took, guys... <laughs> This, this weekend I was gone. I said, Pastor, you, you just were, you, I'm sure you got rested up. Let me tell you about my, my vacation. I just had to because, you know, I have a 12-year-old in my house, and I'm 56, and I'm trying to remember I'm 56, and he's 12. So the first part of our trip, we went to the Circuit of Americas, and we ran go-karts like insane, and of course I won because I'm really good at that. But the next day, we go to Fiesta, Texas, and I'm like, yeah, I got this, so right off the bat... You know, there's a ride. i would never been on it. Right at the bat you go in, it's called Goliath. So I figured it's biblical, right? Um, well, that one shook me up really bad. And if that wasn't enough, then for those of you who could care less, I still feel proud because then I got on the Batman ride. Oh, yeah, hey, hey, somebody, ooh, yeah, mm, yeah. And then I got on the Joker ride. Anybody know what the Joker is? They throw this spinning thing like 17 stories in and then you come down and you look like you're going to die, okay? And after that whole experience, I had to drive home. Now, I'm, I'm like vomit, ready to go vomit. I, I, I felt sick the whole day and it was hot. So I ended up doing four rides, of course. Oh, no, no, that's right. Then we went to the water park. Of course. Why could I forget that one? And what I'm going with is we had a great time, even though I felt really bad the whole time. But my point is people go and say, if I could just go do that in my life. No, I went to that. I had fun. I got sick, but I didn't rest. You don't rest, you know. My point, my my simple point of that is you can take your whole life and fill it with all kinds of stuff. Now, I said, we had a blast. I'm not going to take away from that. But there's no really peace in that because it's 100 miles an hour for like three days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Go on a vacation and say, oh, we're going to take a vacation. Especially if you add the word family to the word vacation, that's over. Because dads, dads, raise your hand. You know, on vacation, you become the valet. For the whole vacation, your whole family has their private valet. Go get the cooler. Go get the chairs. Go get the awning. Go get the thing. Go get the thing. Go, get the thing, go get, put up the thing, uh, the beach. Tear it back down. Everybody's like, oh, hurry up with my Coke, please. So dads, you're just the valet, all right? So again, we, we have all these ideas. The reason I'm playing with you all is because I have all these ideas of what is peace and what is rest. And it's nothing like that. That's just life, and It's fun. But What I'm talking about is this idea, be still and wait. Because Christians don't understand what waiting is. We come from this fast food thing, we have to think, and, and we have these preconceived ideas. Again, I mentioned the, the vacations, I mentioned this. But then it comes into this, fretting. I really want to hit this point. Because you have an idea about something, and when that something doesn't work out, be it your vacation, be it your job, be it your family, guess what happens? You start fretting, 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 fretting. I like that word, fret. Because the word worry is overused, but that's what it means. But I think Fred has a deeper... Fred is not only worrying. Fred is like worrying and being angry (laughs) at the same time. So we have to learn to take our eyes off of everything else that you believe. Because I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard. You know, in life, you're trying to mind your own business, but life is full of what? People. Amen? Amen. And people have a tendency, including yourself to make things very difficult. So you have to make a choice. And trust me, it's it's been hard. Even as a pastor, it's hard because as a pastor, you want people's life, you know, I'm not the kind of pastor that's in your life, but and I'm very, very careful. But as a pastor, sometimes you see things, and there's part of me that wants to call you and say, hey, are you guys okay? What's going on? And there's another part of me that says, like, well, I don't want to be that guy, right? If they're, you know, and here's where I'm going with this. If you're not careful, even as a pastor, pretty soon <laughs> you're worrying about everybody's life except yours. As a parent, be careful. You know, I'm so blessed. You know, we, you know my family's blessed. I'm not going to take from it. You know, my, all, my, my fam, all my family except one grand, granddaughter is in the building right now and because she just moved. Everybody else is in the house. Both of my kids, husbands, wives, all the children are here. That to me is awesome. That, to me, is the blessing, to be able to, to, to see these things. But here's the thing. If I'm not careful, I want to get in my daughter's business. But no, she's got her own family. So I, got to, I can give advice, which, you know, why would she listen now? No, just kidding. She just gave me that. She gave me the Karen look. But her name is Karen, so she can do it. Anyway, you know, I have a tendency that I want to still be dad. And, I, and Michelle's like, yeah, you still are way too much, Dad. Okay. But there's so many... Uh, guys, by the way, I hold a lot back, trust me, if you guys think I'm overbearing, because it's not my responsibility anymore. Because what happens? As much as I love my family, I love my kids to pieces, I love my grandkids dearly, there's a point where I've got to say, that part doesn't belong to me. Say that with me. That part, that part. doesn't belong to me. You see, that little idea in life will remove almost all of the fretting out of your life. Just, you know, tomorrow when you wake up, and, and, and we're going to get some of this stuff here as the clock permits, remember that phrase. Because you're going to be pounded from the news. Well, you got to turn off the news nowadays, right? I like to be informed. But I just can't leave the news on 24 hours. You know, like, It gets you angry. It gets you upset. So after you are informed that the world is in chaos like we didn't know, then you sit back and say, that is not my problem. Because you have very, very little influence other than your vote to change any of it. So if you really want to change it, just make sure you go vote and vote the right way. But other than that, you have no influence at all. What are you going to do, go picket? I was wondering, why these people that are out there protesting all the time, they don't have jobs or what? I'm just curious. Huh? Oh, that's her job? They actually pay you for that? Oh, I want that job. I could protest all day. Just tell me what to protest. Give me some money. I'll protest. No, it's insane. You know, all that is that fretting. People worked up. People worked this way. And nothing really changes. I'm not against protesting. I'm not against that. But you've got to be make sure that if you are on a path of peace, if you're on a path where the voice of God has to be clear, you've got to stay in your own business. You've got to stay in your own lane. Because there's a lot of stuff that we can, oh, I've got to fix that. Oh, why didn't they go to church? Oh, why are the kids behaving? like that? Oh, I don't think you should raise your child that way. Oh, I, I don't know. And pretty soon, what is important is your connection with God and what he's got to t- talk to you about you. There's no, there's no sound. Remember what I said at the beginning? Because you're not tuned in. You're wanting to hear God, but you're on the world frequency. All right, let's move on. Okay, we're going to get into some of the meat now. Isaiah 30, 15 says, For thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest, you will be saved. Wow. So there's two aspects of what he's saying. He says, you come back to the place of fellowship, and the first thing you do is you sit down. You get it? I mean, isn't that, is, does that line up with the New Testament? Come on, church people, Bible people. God sat down. Jesus sat down. And Paul said, we are sitting down. Sitting down is a position of rest. So, but I kind of like how it flows. Now, of course, he's talking some things referring to the nation of Israel and there's some prophecy in there. So I'm not going to, you know, try to squeeze it into making it fit my message. But there is a principle, very simple idea here. It says, in returning and rest so there's two parts you know we already decided you know stillness has to be a place of complete focus to god and really you know say in your lane then we move into this idea returning and resting returning to what well to god to fellowship to peace and resting so well pastor i'm i'm, I'm not backslidden i'm bored again trust me the most the people that need the most to be coming back to God are the people that are in church every Sunday. <laughs> because we are the ones that are under the most pressure to not serve him. See, the devil doesn't waste energy on people that he doesn't need to. <laughs> Boy, you talk about some stuff yesterday. So my daughter takes off and her family, you know, they were at the house and... You know, she calls me a few minutes later, and what was it, guys, about three seconds? Horrible, horrible. I mean, they're showing me on, their Facetime, You can see the people laying out there, I mean, like three seconds. Well, her whole family was in that car. So praise God they're here this morning. Well, that same day, I went to go pick up a round bale. For those of you who don't talk, that's called grass for cows. (laughs) Round bale, somebody. like, what's a round bale? And I'm, and I'm pulling a little trailer, you know, a little Toyota, not a big trailer. And I'm coming into Laredo over there by, by the Caterpillar, and the guy pulls out. So if you're going into Laredo from this one, and, you know, he's got the middle lane, and he's got the left lane. Well, I pull all the way to my right lane right before you get to the trash dump. So the guy pulls into his lane, and as I'm coming up here, he decides just to pull right in front of me. And I'm talking – I've had very, very close calls in many, many, many years of driving. This one was one of the closest ones. I mean, I hit the horn. I swerved, the trailer, you know, pulled off a little bit. I mean, and then we completely missed by inches. I was so mad. You guys would have never known I was a pastor. I I didn't stop. I almost stopped, but then I figured I got a gun. I probably shouldn't stop. There might not be church next Sunday. I was just, but you know, those are the kind of stuff that you got to make sure you're in covenant with God. When my family leaves, I could have potentially not seen any one of them again. That's how bad it was. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not exer- I'm not over-exaggerating anything, guys. That same day, I was in a very close call. And that's why I said jokingly, after those two events, then I get the call from Cuba, I'm like thinking, now what? <laughs> Who did we lose, right? Now everything was great in Cuba. But um, those are the things that I go back to covenant. Well, it's a coincidence. Well, if it's a coincidence, I've got too many coincidences that line up under that frame of mind that you can pray covenant protection according to... And I was going to preach Psalm 91, by the way, because it's, it's a, one really beautiful, beautiful passage regarding what I'm teaching you about stillness in the secret place of the High. I will abide under the shadow. You know, I mean, that, that right there, that's like the definition of stillness. But that's also the definition of covenant. Did you pray? Maybe yes, maybe no. But here's the thing, you know, we ha- I prayed this morning before we, we took off to church because I prayed for you. We sit there at the gate... Say, Lord, we want this day to be blessing. Lord, let us help somebody today. That's, that's, that's my prayer every Sunday, by the way. Let me just help somebody today. And then we take off on the highway, and you know, you don't think twice about it, but there's a thousand things out there designed to wipe you out. But covenant will protect you. Covenant of peace will protect you. So a lot of stuff out there is thrown at you to try to get you to grasp fear. You know, when you have a close call, when you get a call like your family was very close to having a very, very tragic situation, you know, the devil tries to sneak in. Now, if he can get you out of fear, guess what's the other? That's fret. Fear is the same as worry. So once again, you know, after the events of yesterday, I just go right back and settle back into my covenant. The same covenant that's protected me 30 years. I mean, I was, I could tell you stories and stories and stories and stories and stories, from airplanes to all kinds of stuff that we've been involved in that, you know, could have been a potential disaster. And just the covenant of peace is actually, it's the same as the covenant of protection. You get it? You have to, you know, these things come from stillness. These things coming from spending time with God and not, he says, well, you know, maybe, you know, if, if something happened because you didn't pray over it. Well, I believe in prayer, but prayer is supported by covenant, It can't be supported by anything else because what's strong in the covenant are the words of the covenant. So the only reason you know how to pray is because the covenant told you to pray. Do you understand what I'm I'm building on is to have that comfort, to have that peace to say, you know what? My life is hidden in his hands. There's a 10,000 things out there that can make my life very complicated, but I'm just going to go ahead and trust. Trust. Look how this finishes. In returning and rest, you will be saved. In quietness, there it is, and in trust shall be your strength. Where's your strength, church? In trust that comes from quietness, quietness of spirit, quietness of mind. A peaceful, focused life that is always connected to God. That's why I say, you know, I've said this many times, you guys heard it more times than you probably need to, but I'll say it again for those that haven't. One of the guys that really impressed me, you know, reading his books, obviously I didn't meet him, was Smith Wigglesworth. And um, if you read his story, and I'm not going to get into it, but he was, you know, this healing evangelist back at the turn of the century. Amazing man, you know, a lot of confirmed miracles, raised people from the dead. A lot of them were confirmed dead people. I mean, even funeral parlor stuff. (laughs) It's like he would go to the funeral home and, you know, it's like, so if you go into that guy dead, don't invite Smith Wigglesworth to his funeral, right? So they asked him, Lester Summerall, another general back in the day, I don't know if you ever heard these names, brother, Lester Summerall, these guys, he actually met Smith Wigglesworth. And, again, Lester's been dead many, many years. Well, gone to heaven, also great teacher apostle, whatever you want to call it, but he asked him, said, what is the source? No, how long, sorry, how long, I'm getting it all mixed up, how many times do you pray a day? They were trying to figure out, why do you have so much power? How come God uses you in this amazing way? So you you, you just must be praying all day. So they asked him, how many times do you pray? And he says, I only pray once a day. And like, you mean once a day? He says, yeah, I just never turn it off. And that, to me, just really—I I, you know—I heard that so early in my life, early in my ministry life, and it really changed my concept of what prayer was because I was raised, you know, Baptist. You can bow your head. Well, Baptist, we pray in silence. So, it's, everybody, amen. All right, that's fine. You know, that's what we do. You get around Pentecostals, they yell, "Whoa!" Ah, boy, that's fine too. I like that too. But we have an idea that when we say "Amen." It's like everything turns off. Okay, God, okay, you're done. God, I have something else to do, guys. Call me if you need me. (laughs) And we say, okay, God, amen. I got to go to work. See you later. That is kind of the Christian idea of what prayer is. And I, I, I irritate people. I mean, I irritate myself sometimes, but anyway. You get around religious people, they're the funniest bunch. I love religious people because, you know, you sit around a table you know, especially like with pastures and, and all these people that have to wear masks and all that, but anyway, um, and you just sit there and somebody 's been eating, and somebody say, "Oh, we forgot to pray. It looks like they 're going to spit their food out." <laughs> Anybody been around those people? They get all stressed out because somebody didn 't pray for their food. So what I tell them... I say, well, January 1, I will pray for all my meals that I will consume in 2022. All of them. Because it's not like, you know, there was like this funny thing. I'm not going to try to imitate it because I'm not a comedian, but this guy, he did such a good thing. He's like, what are you supposed to pray for and what are you not supposed to pray for? He says, do you pray for Starbucks coffee? Well, no, that's kind of weird. So he goes through this whole thing of what foods qualify to be prayed for. But my whole point of it is just so ridiculous how we, our concept of not knowing God summarizes into some dumb little idea that if I didn't pray over my french fries, I'm going to get sick. You're going to get sick anyway. Pray or not pray over the plastic french fries that you're eating from McDonald's. But, that is bringing God's covenant to such an inferior level of understanding. Are you guys following? I didn't pray for my food. Oh, judgment! Amen. No, Please pray for your food, and please pray for it every day if you want to. That's fine. But don't break this idea of covenant down to a little tiny thing like I didn't pray over my meal. Because we're reducing this thing because that is the rest and quietness that God is looking. Are you so comfortable? I am so comfortable with God that if I didn't pray for another meal this year, I'm sure I wouldn't get sick. Because he made a covenant to protect me. Didn't he? That includes food. <laughs> Amen. That includes some idiot in Laredo almost hitting me yesterday. Same thing. Food poisoning and some guy wrecking my car. Same thing. Same covenant. Does that mean I stop praying for my food? Of course not, because I'm thankful I have food. Do, I, do we miss it sometimes? We miss it a lot of times, but a lot of times we don't. Amen. I'm just saying be careful that, that you don't bring this idea of, of this covenant because the, one of the keys to making sense so, Pastor, how do I really know that I'm grasping this idea of covenant? You start resting. You really start resting. I mean, as bad as the problem is, you finally figured out. You went through all your options. You say, well, I can't fix it. Good deal. There it is, Lord. I got something else to do. You take care of that one. That's covenant. Amen? All right. Give me the next one. Psalm one thirty one one three, 3 All these are just shotgun scriptures based on the same point. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. For I have calmed and quieted my soul. Who did that? Huh? Now guy didn't do it. Pay attention to the flow because this is really good for teaching. It says, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. You know what those two ideas represent? Self. That's all it represents. My eyes aren't trying to figure this thing out. I'm not trying to look over, you know, the situation. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Question, do you occupy yourself with anything that you shouldn't be occupying yourself with? <laughs> in other words, back to other people's business, right? Other situations. And then he says, but I, everybody say I. I, I. Not, not, not God, because this is, this is what happens at church. I'm going to go to church, pastor's going to preach a message about stillness, and I'm going to go out, and the rest of my life, I'm just going to have this amazing peace in my life. no. <laughs> All I'm here, I'm the UPS guy. Here's the package. Here's the information. Here are the instructions. Can you sign? Bye. You figure it out, right? No, the I belongs to you. You need to calm yourself. You need to quiet yourselves. And trust me, boy, that idea, I'm preaching something that I've been working on for the last six months so hard because stuff irritates me, guys. I, 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 you know... Most of you don't know me, but my family is here, so it's really hard to preach a message, and they know, oh, yeah, we know how he is at home, guys. Don't buy it. I have to force myself to quiet my soul. I have to force myself to make these choices. I have to calm myself because things don't go my way. Well, Harry, how you doing, beautiful? You came to see me? Yeah, oh. all we we're having a moment. Just We're fine. Go sit with Mimi, huh? You want to go sit with Mimi? Isn't she Beautiful. See, you now a whole train of thought just, oh, my granddaughter, I love her so much. <laughs> God, thank you, H. Keep, 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 H is taking notes for me. I have calmed and quieted my soul. We, that, is, that is an exercise for you this week. Next stuff that comes down your path that irritates you, whatever that may be, you need to stop and say, oh, why do I feel this way? You need to analyze your own feelings. You need to analyze your own judgment of the situation that's causing those feelings. Because, boy, uh, I'm going to give you all the details because I'm the one that exposes my whole life up here, but just something happened within the last weeks that went down that path. And I was was so worked up about it. I don't know if it was through text messaging or something. and, And it was just like, I was getting so irritated about it. And then I remember what I'm preaching, right? Practice what you preach, preacher. And I made a decision I'm not going down that path. And it's hard, man. Your flesh wants to like... I had this huge text about that long. Have you ever done that? Ay, que santitos están ustedes. And then I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking about it, and it kept going like that, and I kept deleting, and it going like that, and it kept deleting, and it went like that, and I finally just deleted the whole thing. Because everything about that text was contrary to that. Listen. I could have sent it, and another text would have come back, and then another text would have gone forward, and another text would have come, and it would have never ended. And the whole time I would have just went that you made the choice at the front end. And say, I'm not going there. Because I have to calm my soul. You're in Psalm 103. Don't go there. I just love the way it starts. It says, Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. And everything that's within me bless his holy name you know what the psalmist is saying he's telling himself get with the program son you soul sp- soul your mind your will your emotion, soul bless the lord of the hardest things to do when you're in a circumstance boy i'm telling you from experience when it's hard when it's difficult when you don't understand the situation to sit there like david did when when the, everything was devastated and he had fought on this front end and you know, won that battle, but when he came in, the enemy had come and taken everything and destroyed his camp. You remember that? And the mighty warriors, the mighty men of David decided they were going to kill him, his loyal friends, because of devastation. They had taken their wives, they had taken their kids, everything was gone. And David did one little thing that every one of us should do consistently. It says, but David strengthened himself. Everything was bad. They were going to kill him. His men were going to kill him. And he said, he went to the prophet and said, give me the prayer shawl. I'm going to the house of the Lord. I might be dead in a while, but right now I'm going to go worship him. He put God first over his circumstances. I really wanted to preach that, but it's in there. Just look it up. David's mighty men. And in that quiet time with God, God told him exactly what to do, brother. He said, go pursue him. I mean, the man's defeated emotionally, physically, tired. His men are tired. Everybody's tired. His men want to kill him. That's how tired they are. Imagine David coming out of the tent and says, I got a word from the Lord. We're getting our stuff back. Some of those guys are like, we're going to kill you, then we'll get the stuff back. No, they got it together. and Long story, they got all their stuff back. But you know, when we are in our lowest moments in life, when we are in the places of confusion, we're in the places where we don't have the answer from God, where we think we should have the answer from God, the best thing you can do is not try to go fix it yourself because that's what we always want to do is spend some time calming yourself down. You want to experience still. You see, we're, we're already in the place of this teaching where everything I'm teaching this week and into next week, if it, if it goes that way, is going to be hands-on. In other words, I've given you a lot of foundation for two weeks. Now it's just take this home. Can you calm yourself? Because God's not going to calm you down. Oh, Lord, called me down. He said, no, you calm yourself. Well, how do I calm myself? Think on the promises. Think on the word. What did God say? Amen. Isn't that a good scripture? But it keeps going on. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And again, I don't want to go really, really deep on this statement, but why does the psalmist mention a weaned child versus a nursing child? Because that should, it would really be beautiful if it said like a nursing child. Like my daughter's beautiful son. They need everything from their mom. No, but it doesn't say... Nursing, it says wean for a reason. Because God is expecting you to grow up. And a weaned child still loves mama. And a weaned child is still next to mama. But a weaned child is not dependent 100%. Now, that doesn't mean we're disconnecting. God is trying to say, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a wean child. This, this, when I was studying this, I was, why a weaned child, Lord? It sounds so more beautiful if it was a nursing child. No, because a wean child represents somebody that's so comfortable with the protection and the supply and the source of their mom that they don't have to be grabbing by the hand. They don't have to be suckling anymore. They're just so comfortable that mom's got this. That they can walk on their own. They can eat their own food. But mom's still got their back. You got me? That's what God is looking for. He doesn't want a, a, a child that's constantly nursing and nursing and always has to be attached to the mom. He wants a child that has matured enough to stand next to his mom and be there and be loyal and be under the shadow of his mother. But he's been weaned. That sounds like maturity. So what would immaturity look like? What we see in church all day. A bunch of Christians acting like a bunch of babies. Every little problem becomes this massive atomic explosion in their life. Amen. And it seems like, and trust me, you know, including myself, we, we go through all the scenarios where we need to fix this, and every scenario is negative. So at the end you throw your fit, you throw your tantrum, God just sitting there waiting for you to get through it, and then once you're done, you're finally like, Oh God, you know, oh about time. I've been waiting here for about two days till you've got through this mess. But a weaned child has grown in confidence that the weaned child has abilities to do things for itself based on the fact that mom is still behind him. Think about what your abilities in life would be, not your abilities, but what your perspective of life would be if we, including myself, had 100% confidence that God's got our back. We would pursue a job, we would pursue a business, we would pursue a marriage, we would pursue everything, knowing that we can't fail, that we are expected to be hands-on. We just can't, God's not just going to come up, swoop down, and take care of everything. But if something messes up, he's got my back. Y'all with me? That comes from somebody that's trained themselves to be calm and quiet. And wow, has this been hard for me. I don't know about your, your journey on this one because somewhere in our, I don't know if this is a Mexican thing or is it just a, no I don't think it's a, because my, dad, my grandpa was not Mexican at all and he was 100% workaholic, like to the max. But where did we pick up I mean, this is a, you know, if somebody has an answer, I, I'll listen to it. Where did we pick up in our beings that if we're not doing something, we're in the wrong? Is that true? Is that, did it come out right? At least, like, if we're, not, if we're not busy, 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 busy doing something, like, if you just sit down, this happened to you, just sit down. There's nothing to do, and you just sit down. Oh, I'm just going to rest here by the pool for a little bit. I'm just talking about me, right? I'm not just sitting there. Then I open my eyes and I see a tree limb that I don't like. So I decided to rest, but now I'm looking for my chainsaw, which I can't find. And then I find it doesn't work. I got to fix it. I got to put oil in it. Then it won't start. My whole day of resting just disappeared because somewhere in my psyche, somebody told you you're not allowed to rest. Now, they didn't say it that way, just society formed it, that if you're not 100% working, you're, you're in the wrong. Anybody feel that way? Just raise your hand if you don't. Thank you. Thank you for a couple honest Christians. It's just a weird feeling that if you're not doing something, I mean, ladies, come on, your house is completely clean, everything's ready to go, and you'll still find something to do. Because your mama and her, your grandma and everybody before you told you that if you're going to be a good mother and a good housewife, you have to go 100% all the time. I got to tell my wife still today, like even yesterday, I said, Dad, stop cleaning. It's clean. Chill out. You're making me nervous. No, we are, we have been so programmed to just go 100 miles an hour all day. My question is, where are we going? We're busy, 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 busy. Yeah, where are we going? What are we doing? Busy, busy, busy. No, quietness has to be developed. Calmness has to be developed. This idea of, 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 trusting God as a wean child. I could spend a lot of time on this, and that's not the point. All right, I've got a few minutes left. We're almost there, guys. That was just the introduction, by the way. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Again, just a lot of scriptures this morning. So let's break some of our, what we've been doing for three weeks. And again, if we finish, we finish. If not, I'll finish it next week. How to develop a calm and quiet mind. We're finally there. Okay, so I'm just going to, some of these we've already covered them. In different places. but So number one is you have to become conscious of mental noise. We talked about that one on our first session. All the noise that we have from the world outside, you have to become aware of it, that not every thought is your thought. Hello? Not every thought you think has to be taken. Okay, you, I lost you guys. Alright, let's move on then. Identify busy thoughts. What are busy thoughts? Some of you are having them right now. You're so busy about what's going to happen after church that you're not even focused on the moment. Busy, 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 busy thoughts. Believe that you are in charge of your mind and not vice versa. Who's in charge of your thinking? It doesn't seem to sound like, right? Because if you you just let your head go, boy, it'll bombard you with all kinds of crazy stuff. So once again, you identify what thoughts are not thoughts that you want to... And some people say, Pastor, if if they're they're in my head, they're my thoughts, I'm telling you they're not. And and I'll prove a point. I'm not proving a point, but I'm just throwing it out there. Have you ever been just minding your business and been happy with your life and everything is kind of okay and then this thought comes about something that somebody told you 15 years ago and just ruins your whole day? Anybody? Or something you could have said better 20 years ago and that person doesn't talk to you because you said something 50 years ago? And you're like, I shouldn't have said that back in 1993. Those, those aren't your thoughts. Something I've been trying to teach all year, starting right off the get-go in January, was we don't live anywhere else except in the present. Amen? So you have to identify what thoughts live in the now. Because a lot of the misery that we bring into our lives are thoughts of the future and thoughts of the past. Yes or no? Could have, should have, would have. I hope it does. Maybe it won't. But at the moment, you're here. And that's where, that's where the busy thoughts come. You're in charge. Number three, learn to filter thoughts like a gatekeeper. Past and future thoughts will try to dominate present thoughts. That's what I just said. So Second Corinthians 10.5, I don't have the scripture up there, but it basically says you have to capture. Well, let me show you what the, what the Passion Translation reads on this one. It's really good. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Because, you know, peace and quietness is coming down to this idea of what mind, what thoughts are you going to let process through your head. We can demolish, this is uh, Passion Translation, verse 5. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Isn't that cool? That opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Pay attention. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist it, that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. You know, I've preached this so many years and I just saw this last week. That's so cool about the Bible. The context of verse 6. Since we are armed with such a dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose Complete obedience. Now, I don't want to break everything Paul was referring to because he's actually preparing to respond to criticism. But the simple point that Paul made that is really, really good is this. Since we are armed with such a dynamic weaponry, and I, I was like, what is he talking about? Okay. So I'm, I'm reading verse 6 out of, out of the Passion. Let me, let me go back to good old King James Version. And let me read it there. Okay casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I'm trying to find... Okay, let me go back to this one and then I'll bring it out. We capture like prisoner every, of every war thought, the Passion Translation is, and insisted that it bowed to obedience. So here's my point that I'm trying to this. So, verse 6, let me go back to that one out. Let me read it out of this one. <laughs> I've got all these translations going. CEV, verse 6. So how does Pastor Box study it exactly like this? <laughs> I look it up in every direction I can figure. Well, I don't like that translation. But my point of that one was, I'm trying to get to the right translation. Let me, let me go back to wasting too much time on this. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, verse 6, we are ready to punish. Now he's talking about disobedience and people. But I was thinking, what is, the, what, is he, what is he talking about? What is this amazing weaponry that we have? And it finally dawned on me, like, oh, that was so easy. I should have known that better. Because we're talking spiritual warfare. We've got to fight demons. Yeah, there's some of that. But trust me, there's a lot of nonsense in that too. A lot. But what he is saying, the, the tremendous weaponry that he's referring to is the ability to capture thoughts. That's the weaponry. A believer that can, can get to the point in his life where he say, that's not my thought. That's not God's thought. I'm not taking it. Because that's exactly what the scripture says. Capture your thought as a prisoner of war and bring it to covenant voice. Because covenant voice is the word. Right? So, back to, I I gotta figure, finish this pretty quick. So, you get sickness and disease in your body, like we all do, in different parts of our life. It can be serious, it cannot be serious, but the same application is the same. What did God say about sickness and disease? Anybody? This is the question. You guys don't know what God said about sickness? He said, By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. That's what he said. He said, Jesus healed us all. Well, I'm not going to get into all the mechanics of that, but the, fact, the simple fact is to me, if I have sickness and disease in my body, I'm going to go to covenant. Jesus says, by his stripes I am healed. That's, that's pretty much it. Then there's going to be 10,000 thoughts that are going to come against that. You're going to die? That's not going to work? Are oh, you stupid? All day. All those thoughts aren't my thoughts. They're in my head, but they're not my thoughts. And all those thoughts are trying to steal my stillness and my quietness from the peace of covenant. By his stripes you're healed. Well, what if I die, Pastor? You still, you still win. <laughs> Both versions of it, you still win. Actually, the second version is probably a bigger win, but you're scared of it, but it is. Because if you get healed down here, praise God. You know, when my mama died and I asked the Lord why she didn't get healed, she asked, the Lord asked me, you know, he responded right back with another question. He said, is she healed now? That's all he said. And I said, yes, sir, I'm done with the conversation. I was completely fine with it. Because from God's perspective, it's more important what's happening in eternity than what's happening in this little messed up thing called world. Even though we think this is eternity, this is not eternity. We act like this is eternity, but it's not. We live like this is eternity, but it's not. So all that peace now begins to reside. And you know what? Those aren't my thoughts. Now I'm going to do everything in the natural. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to take my meds. I'm going to, you know, eat better, try to live healthy. Whatever my responsibility, I'll try to do that. But at the end of this conversation, if I get healed or I don't get healed, it doesn't really matter to me because I've already established that by his stripes I am healed. Does that make sense? Well, that's stupid, Pastor. No, no, because... That covenant establishment keeps all the other thoughts out. At that point, all the other thoughts are eliminated. Because I say, well, the doctor says you're going to die in three months. That's fine. I'll be in heaven in three months. Meanwhile, by his stripes I am healed. Well, you can't just live that. Why not? I'm still going to go to the doctor. I'll I'll do all the proper things you tell me. But at the end of the day, the battle belongs That's a piece of covenant. And that's where stillness comes. Amen. Are you getting something out of this this morning? All right, let's keep going. So identify your negative thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to hear that one. Look for the key issue. When there's trouble in your life, whatever the trouble is, you know, work, marriage, kids, medical, what is the key issue? What is the key issue of any of the circumstances you're dealing with? If you can identify the key issue, you're going to find out that the key issue is the one you've got to focus on and not all the other stuff that it created. All the drama and all the strife. So identify negative thoughts and look for the key issues. That will, that will give you clarity into the cert- situation. Instead of just getting all worked up on the front, and trust me, one thing you've got to learn as a pastor, you know, this church has gone through all kinds of, there was, there was a season where almost every chair was filled. There was a season where there was no chairs filled. So, you know, this doesn't really bother me that much because I've seen the waves over 30 years. But there's a time, you know, where <laughs> people would come to my office and, you know, do a lot of counseling, especially marriage counseling. It was like, ah, he said, she did, it, and I'm sitting there. Well, you know, really, marriage counseling is, is a fight with a referee. In other words, you bring the pastor in so you don't gouge your eyes out, but you're going to go ahead and tell him off and she's going to ahead and tell you off in front of the preacher. That's why I don't do a lot of marriage counseling. Anyway. But I'll do it. If you need marriage counseling, I'll do it. But here's where I'm going with this. After they went through all their little thing, I would say, guys, 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 what's the key issue? Let's really really boil it down. What's the key issue? Oh, when they got past all the... Then you got into the real. Then you got into about the areas of feelings and communication and voices not being heard. Because at the front end, it was all fighting, 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 fighting. She doesn't do this, and he doesn't take out the trash, and he leaves a side. But the key issue was abandonment. That was the key issue. It wasn't fighting. It was, and many times in, in relationships, that usually is. One person's putting 90% of the effort, and the other person's putting zero effort. So the key issue in every situation, and, and I'm telling you, guys, the, the examples I use are mine. And it's like, why did it? Because, I, you know, I could use your examples and you'd get mad. But, you know, last year, and I've, I've said it so many times, but it's such a good example of this. For like three years, I was dealing with these Achilles tendon situation. It was really, really bad. Very, very painful. Very, com- you know, and I'm going to take it. Th- I already tell you what happened, but I'm not going to spend any time on that. But the point of it is, when I understood what the key issue was, which was my weight, which I didn't want to accept. And I took authority over that and made some adjustments, which I have to <laughs> keep adjusting every time because I feel it coming back sometimes. All that was on me. Now, I've been praying to God, heal me, heal me, heal me. I had some healing people. I had, you know, Ann Stratton pray for me and, you know, and and, and it wasn't getting healed. You said, well, maybe God's not healing you. No, what's the key issue? <laughs> you guys... You guys don't want to hear this, but that's how God deals with What's the key issue? Well, the key issue wasn't, I need healing on my Achilles tendons. The key issue is, when your ankle is that big, and you got 270-something pounds on it, that could be a key issue. Y'all hear? And as soon as the weight went down, the pain left. Was that a miracle? No. Nope. Glory to God, a miracle? Nope. The miracle was I listened to him. That was the miracle. There was nothing miraculous about me being healed. Not one thing. And it took a few months because, you know, weight doesn't disappear. But as soon as I, I got down to, you know, to where I'm at now, boom, it, I've been healed of the Achilles for, since last year, since I did it. And it was such a big issue in my life. And I'm wanting healing, and I'm wanting medicine, and I'm wanting, you know, maybe this cream will help, and that cream will help. And the whole time, God just said there... <laughs> key issues, God will tell you what the key issue is. So what's my point with this? When you're going into that place where your quietness and your stillness is being taken from you, spend a little bit of time with the Lord and say, Lord, can you tell me what? He, you might not like what he tells you, but be honest with yourself and be honest with Can you tell me what the key issue is? Your marriage is going through trouble. Maybe the problem is you. Nobody ever wants to say that. It's her. It's him. No, it's you. I don't want to hear that. Well, that that could be the key issue. So, so so remember that. You know, in in pursuing stillness, always find these things. Engage the mind to move towards getting involved in activity. When you are when you are depressed, when you're going under these situations, this is very, very. This is not very spiritual. Very simple. Get your head out of it. Pursue stillness identify the moments that depression comes in. Identify the moments that the sadness is starting to kick in and find something that you know brings you joy. It could be working on something. It could be welding. It could be playing the guitar for me. It could be a lot of things. But the worst thing I can do is sit in my chair and not do nothing because then your mind becomes an open target for every demonic thought you could ever think of. And you you walk in there, I'm just depressed. I'm just going to sit here today. Boy, by the afternoon, you're thinking about killing yourself. My God, you know, you can't just do that. you got to take authority. So when these feelings come, remember, you are not your thoughts. I've been saying that through the whole series. When these thoughts come, it's up to you to say, you know what? I'm not going there. Let's go do something. I'm not going to talk about it. That's not me. The more you practice these things, the easier it gets. Engage the mind, moving towards getting involved in activity that holds the attention. This will divert the energy of what has been done and will leave no space to entertain the monkey mind. You know what I'm talking about. It never stops. Okay, let's go on. Let's see if we can finish this. Number six. I spent a lot of time this year on this point. Be present. Do live in the moment and the now. Enjoy every moment. I was thinking of something. I don't know if I put it up here. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but there was a a thought I had this week. I was thinking... because. You know, how many of you have, like, these really cool moments and, you're, and you say this, oh, I wish this moment would be forever? Anybody? Like, you're having, like, one moment that's so awesome with your kids, your grandkids, or any or a life event. You're like, "Wow, I wish this moment lasts forever. And I was thinking along, along those lines, and, and I, you know, I believe the Lord gave it to me. I don't know, or just the thought, the continual thought was, you can't live in the, you know, hoping a moment will be forever. Because what is forever is the moment. That's what fixed it for me. Don't wish that this moment will be forever because what is forever is always the moment. And I think about that for a few days and it'll, and it'll, it'll get you straight now. because that, this is what it is. Our whole life is in the now. So you begin to live there. Then the other one is practice meditation. Now that's a word that the church doesn't like. Ooh, that sounds very new agey. Oh, really? It's all over the Bible. I googled meditation scriptures. There's a lot of them. Let's talk a little bit about this in the, in the few minutes that we have left. Because to me, this is one of the big ones. Let's go to Joshua 1, and I'm just going to read verse 8. It's right there. You don't even have to go. This is what Joshua was told when he was given the lead to lead probably, according to most theologians, about 6 million Jews to their final home. He God didn't give him great weaponry. God didn't give him a staff like... Moses had he just gave him one little thing and it's all in Joshua chapter 1 and it started with this idea study this book of instruction continually and then the word King James and other will say meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do Well, that's pretty pretty simple Yeah, pretty one, two, three. I mean, there's not a whole lot in there. He'd just tell you, do this, this, and this. And if you do these three things, you will prosper. I mean, if somebody told you right now, hey, guys, if you do these five things, you'll have a million dollars by the end of the week in your bank account. How many of you would actually do it? Some of you probably say, ah, it's not too too good. You probably wouldn't even do it. But if I showed you, hey, do this, you know, do these five steps and you'll have a million dollars by the end of the week, most of us would probably, ah, okay, I can do that. Well, God is telling Joshua, meditate on it day and night. Well, the definition of meditate is is from from the Hebrew. It's right under there. I, I brought all the ones from Strong's Concordance. It means to mutter, to devise, to plot, to speak, to roar, to growl, to groan, to devise, to muse, to imagine. There's a lot of things that the word carries. And what God was trying to create was that the covenant of peace has to create an inner image of that. Because you don't think in words. You think in images. You agree with that statement? You don't think in words. I can prove it to you. I'm not, but I can prove it to you. Because I can paint a picture with my words, and you're not going to see the words. You're going to see a picture. You know, If I say, i got a big black dog, that's all I'm going to say. Well, you're going to imagine your black big black dog. You're not going to imagine a chihuahua. Then I say, i got a big black German shepherd. Oh, okay, now you can identify him. You're not reading big black German shepherd. You're not reading words. You're seeing images. Okay? So what covenant does, meditation is not the exercise of, you know, some weird... By the way, let us let me back up on this statement because this is an interesting point. I just got a few minutes left, so let me see if I can do this. Every culture except westernized, which westernized is it's not even a culture. It's a mix of all kinds of stuff. But when you talk about westernized, you know, industrial revolution, Europe, moving in, you know except for the westernized thinking, every culture, every single culture, there's not one that you can say that one doesn't have it. I'm talking, you know, ethnic groups, indigenous people, tribal people. Everyone has a form of meditation. They all do. So the Christians are like, ooh, be careful with that meditation stuff because that's new age. Oh, no, no, no. God's the one that came up with it. They're imitating what God said. Because meditation was never like, you know, some kind of you know, Buddhism or something where it's, okay, just put your head in blank and don't think. No, that's not what it's (laughs) not. He tells you what meditation is. It's you meditate on the word. What did he say? So in my quiet times, and that's not the problem with phones and all this technology you guys have. If you're going to have a quiet time, don't take your phone. Some of you have convulsions if you do that. Some of you lose your kids before you lose your phone. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Have you seen Johnny? No, I haven't seen him in three days, but where's my phone? <laughs> You've got to get away from all that stuff. And in meditation, I mean, the only reason you would take your phone, and, and I probably wouldn't be a good idea would, to use the Bible app, but then you have the phone, right? So you'd be like, oh, Bible app. Oh, Facebook. Oh, look, a squirrel. Twitter. <laughs> so there goes the meditation. But it's basically the word... Branding your spirit. Where the word branded into your your spirit, because meditation is putting your soul in connection to the living word, and thus being able to transfer all that into your spirit. Because the word comes through your soul. Let's get the mechanics right. I read my Bible, it goes through my intellect. It doesn't go to my spirit. You agree with that? It goes to my intellect. It gets processed, and then my thinking and my will of it will permit it or not permit it to go into my spirit. Because there's a lot of people that know, you know, you know some of these people, they know a lot of Bible, but they have no evidence of it. Oh, well, they can quote Bible chapter and verse, but they're just mean, and they're horrible with people. And, you know, a lot of them, dare say, are pastors. A lot of them I know people like that. Arrogant. You're thinking, wow, you know the scripture left and right, but there's no evidence in your life that you know it. That's not what this is about. I'd rather take somebody... It's got one week in the word of God, takes one scripture and chews on that scripture all week and comes back with a revelation of God's goodness. I will take that over any theologian that will argue and fight. That's why all these people that are fighting and all these dog, watchdog ministries, All this, I, I, I don't have time for that. Christianity shouldn't be that. So meditation is this, is to mutter... To speak it, so while I'm meditating, and, I'll, and I'll, I'm going to let's see what else I have on my notes because I do want to close with this if I can. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, to moan, to utter, to meditate. So meditate means to create an inner image of the covenant. So in meditation with God's word, it's not some weird trans. You, know, you know, I'm going to go into this trance. That's nothing like that. Nothing, nothing like that. You're just thinking about it. And you're speaking it. And I got one of my coolest stories of this. Now, we have a lot of stories of this. But this one is so good because it was so obvious. And this happened back in 19, I believe it was 94. And there was a lot of things that were upside down in our life. But one of the things we would, we would do every year, and actually I haven't didn't do it this year because and last year because of the school schedule now, but we'd go to the, con- the convention up in Fort Worth. We'd go there for a week and stay there and, and hear word all week, and it was a big, huge thing for us. It's still a thing for you know. This week, it's as much as I can, I'll try to watch it online, I mean, on TV or whatever. But my point of it is, we didn't have money to go, and I had an old car. There's a lot of dynamics to the story, but it was such an easy... And I'll, I'll get my Bible to illustrate it. And I had put this car for sale at a friend's shop in Laredo he had a tire shop there on i guess it would be Park Street and 35 the Alfredo Santos good good friends he's he's with the lord now just great man of god can't say good enough about him he's he's was really a key in my christian walk he was one of the, he was one of the first real christians i met let me put it this way i had met a lot of fake christians but he was one of the real ones anyway I had taken the car to the shop, and we were trying to sell it because, you know, a lot of traffic there, and I had the dollar signs, and he would take care of it. I had left the title and everything there with him, and it had been there for two weeks, and he'd pull it out, he'd park it there, and a few people would question, nothing. Well, this went on for two weeks, so he's going to close his shop on Friday, and then he's gone the whole week because he's going to the convention, too. He's the one that got me started going to the conventions in the first place. So this is Thursday. He's not going to open Friday, and then they're taking off Saturday, and then you know the meeting starts next month, the following Monday. We don't have any money to go, and, I, and it, for us, it's really a thing to go. And all the money I can go is in that old car. That old car wasn't worth a lot. I mean, it might have been worth fifteen hundred bucks or something. You know, it was an old Thunderbird um, that I had bought at an auction, the sheriff's auction. But anyway, so I put it out there. Two weeks, people came in, people came out, people came in. So we're down to Thursday. I'm going to show you how meditation works. And I really want to go to this meeting. I'm saying, Lord, we want to go to this meeting. And, and we're just... We're not, actually, we went to a shop like at 11. And, you know, he was going to close at 5. And we were there. And then we got food back and forth. And, and I'm thinking, man, there's no... We're not going to this meeting. You know, the car, nobody's selling it. It's crunch time. It's 11. It's 12. It's 1. And I'm really stressing it. So what I do is I had my Bible with me or Fred's Bible because he always had Bibles. They had a Christian bookstore. I said, Lord... I believe it's your will for us to go to that meeting, (laughs) and I just opened my Bible to Psalm—not any specific Psalm—and I would say, "Lord, that car will sell, and I will go to that meeting." I I, I cannot miss. I mean, everything in our life was so upside down—you know, barely (laughs) moving into ministry, just complicated stuff—and so I'm, so I'm thinking. I said, "Lord," and I I would begin to read the Psalm. You know, just just for grins, I'm just pick something out. I'm, I'm gonna. Oh wow, look what I picked out. (laughs) That's kind of cool. I just randomly opened it. My highlighted scripture says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the things that's gone out of my lips. How cool is that? Bible roulette work. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So I'm thinking, you know, it's it's like 2 o'clock, and I'm already stressing it. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just getting the word. And, And as I'm thinking, I'm saying, he shall cry unto thee, thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. As soon as I would pick up my head, you're not going to the convention, are you? I could hear that. I mean I could literally hear that in my thought, like, what? You're not gonna sell that car, you're not going anywhere. You're stupid. And I go to my mercy will I keep before him forevermore, my covenant shall stand fast with him, his seat shall I also make endure forever. So, you get my point. I'm just going and I'm just to myself, I'm not preaching anyway. If his children forsake my law, walk in my judgment, they bring and somebody say, Hey Kevin, yeah, what's going on? Oh yeah, no, that's cool. You're not gonna sell that car. That car is not gonna sell, you're not gonna go to the meeting, you're not gonna go to the meeting, you're not gonna go to the meeting, you're not gonna go to the meeting. Go to the meeting. And I would get back into the word. That's meditation. As long as I was muttering it. You know you can't think and talk at the same time? So Yes, I can. No, you can't. Right. (laughs) You can't think and talk at the same time. You can say what you're thinking, but you can't, like, have one thing going into your mouth. Well, some of you, well, anyway. (laughs) My point of it, this went on for, like, an hour and a half. It's 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. He's already... shutting everything down i'm looking like i guess we're not going and i and i would go back and go, okay psalm 91 psalm 91 there we go he that dwells in the secret place of the most it wasn't anything specific about the car i just knew i had to get my head out of that because every time i stopped reading the bible the thought that you're not going it's not gonna happen for you you're an idiot would just blow into my brain has anybody been there for any other circumstance and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just sitting there, and, and it, this went on for a couple hours, and I'm just worn out, and I'm just watching the clock, and I'm about to give in. I'm like, you know what? We're not going to go to this meeting. And, and Fred's already pulling. You no, know, he has tire shop. He's pulling everything down closing everything, and he's kind of looking at me like, do we pull the car back in because I'm going on the convention? I'm not going back for, coming back for a week. And right there, a guy walks in. You guys knew this story was going. This is a true story. There's my wife. I don't know if the kids remember. They were tiny. The guy walks in. It was four ten, and he's closing at five. Everything's shutting. Actually, earlier because I'm already trying to get out of there. And and he kind of talks about the car and he wants to test drive it. And I'm thinking, you know, all kinds of stuff. You know, banks, checks, whatever. And so he he does it. We negotiate four thirty. He wants to buy the car. He pays me with a check. I'm like, I don't want a check. Cause... So I'm like, hang on. And I'm like, Fred, call the bank, you know, figure out if this check's any good. because you know, I, I don't know the guy. He's giving me a paper check. Are you kidding me? Well, they called the bank. The bank was good. The check was good. And the car sold. And the whole transaction was done 15 minutes before he closed that day. After two weeks of the car sitting there, nothing happened till the meditation kicked in. Are you guys listening to me? You see, spiritual food has to go into the spirit. But it transfers into, into voice. So as long as you were muttering, as long as you were speaking, I like it, some of the definitions is to roar. When's the last time you got so mad at the devil that you roared a scripture? Well, I'm not like that, Pastor. Well, the devil, he likes to roar a lot in your life. Maybe you need to start roaring a little bit, Amen. Because that is the meditation, the meditation. And if you, just, if you were just to do one sermon on meditation, you're going to find so many scriptures that are so powerful and so wonderful where God says, if you would meditate, if you would just think about my goodness, if you would sit and re- do remembrance, remember the days of old, remember the former things, not the bad things, not the, no, remember the victories, remember the times. And that meditation and the scripture coming will begin to mold and frame What I'm talking about this thing called stillness. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm giving you the one-on-one-on-one-on-one. So that's basically the story that I got. So, you know, the the idea of meditation, and I would suggest, you know, Google it, because meditation is not putting your mind blank. I already said that a bunch of times, but it's just sitting with your word in a place where you and God alone, no phone, no noise, and really watch how hard it is to get your head in that. Boy, your brain is like... (laughs) It's hard, man. Our, our brains are so, especially nowadays with all the technology and, you know, our attention span is shorter than a goldfish. That's true, right? The t- attention span, you know, you see? I catch him off guard because he's over there thinking about school and not listening to what I'm preaching. That's true. No, yeah, that's okay. He's saved, I think. Anyway. <laughs> I'll stop, because now we're have a personal issue here. You get anything out of all that this morning? Go ahead and stand with me. I've got to stop. Oh, the last one. I forgot. Slow everything down. <laughs> That's the one I'm working on right now. And those of you that know me are like, yeah, he needs that one. Uh, everything used to be 100 miles an hour. Everything, all the time, everywhere. Ministry, live. Everything's rush, rush. Hurry up. Get out. You've got 15 minutes to go to the mall. Anybody? We've got to slow down. we really got to slow down on purpose. Let's pray, and I pray to God that this message has blessed you, this series has blessed you. I mean, you know, next week we'll start on another series. I already got the title for it. It's called Get Over It. I mean, you're looking forward to that one. So my next series is going to have to do how to, how to really get over some stuff in our life. Hopefully that's, you know, the Lord will minister it to us there. But let's pray this morning, and again, I pray to God that this has helped you, That's blessed you. I know it has blessed me. It has helped me. I'm, I'm working on it every day. Trust me, every day of my life I'm working on this. Father, we just thank you this morning. And Lord, what the body of Christ needs over everything is just peace, God. We live in a world that is so upside down. We turn on the news and it, it just keeps getting weirder and weirder, Lord. And, and Father, we just thank you that in this world that is so confusing and life circumstances and, Father, the dangers of society today... We know there's an oasis that's called peace. We know there's a place where we can rest. And I pray right now for anybody in this room, anybody watching me online, anybody that would listen to this podcast in the future, that anything in their life this morning, I'm praying for you guys, come on. Just pray with me and pray that everything that is stealing your joy, that everything that is keeping you out of a place of quietness with God, a place of stillness, a place where your mind can settle down, I pray to God that this very week the Holy Spirit will identify all those things in your life. Yes, sir, I'll I'll, I'll thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, the Lord, just put in my heart this right now, and this is for me, it's for you. When you do this, God might show you things that you need to get rid of. That might even include relationships that are not helpful. I'm not talking marriage. I'm talking, you know, don't get weird. You're talking things in your life that, you know, God's going to identify all the exteriors that you need to eliminate. That's what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. You're going to have to be bold. Say, Lord, show me how to walk in this area of quietness. And God will. But he'll start by eliminating noise. You're not going to get quiet unless you turn some things off. So that's, up to, that's between you and the Lord. That's all I got. Father, I just thank you for that. And I'm open to that. I receive the instructions. And I just thank you, Lord, that through this teaching we grow spiritually, that our lives are truly formed by covenant thinking. That, Father, we pursue this covenant of peace over everything else in our lives. And I give you glory and praise. And I believe with all my heart, Father, that that as as we receive instruction this morning, we will see the evidence of what the Word can do in our lives. I thank you for a blessed week. I pray for covenant protection according to Psalm 91 to be reaffirmed always in our daily lives, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we receive this Word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I'm going to get you out of here pretty quick. I was trying to finish earlier, but you guys never let me finish early. <laughs> well, did you get something out of that? Did it help you? You know, if this stuff helps at any Let me just throw this out there, even the online, especially the online people. If you guys help us, you know, because church is different nowadays. You know, church used to be everything's in the building now, but we have a whole church online. We have people watching us in the Midwest. We have friends and partners from our Navajo family in Arizona watching. We got people in Ukraine watching. So church is a whole different thing now. But what I want you to do is those in church and those online... If stuff is helping you in the church, I don't want you to give any kind of glory to Pastor Box. He doesn't get it. It's all to him. But please share these things. Share them on your Facebook or share them on the church Facebook. Say, you know, I went to church, and, you know, if it's something really private, obviously you're not going to share it. But if something that really blessed you through a word or through a testimony, we need to get it out there. People need to hear that our God is doing things. Can I hear an amen? Our God is busy. Just because the world is in a weird place, God did not check out. And I think God's about... I really believe that God's about to show up big time. I really think because, you know, biblically, the darker it gets, the greater the light in the land of Gosha. The greater the light on God's people. But you've got to be God's people. You can't be flirting with the world and expecting a big move of God. It doesn't work that way. And I'm not talking about being crazy, sanctimonious, religious freak. I'm just saying, let's get covenant mindset. Let's get God mindset. And let's live that way. Let's, you know, let people... They bump into you say, how come you're happy? Look at the economy. I'm happy because that's not my economy. <laughs> that's why I'm happy. But look at the gas price. I don't care if it goes to $10 a gallon. My God will supply all my needs. Amen. That is covenant thinking. That is kingdom thinking. Amen? So I encourage you to do that. All right. Well, you guys know what to do as we close. Honor God with your giving, your tithes, your offerings. You know, thank you for all the support. We need all of it <laughs> and more. You know, there's no limit to what we can do with resources, trust me. There's all kinds of projects from our church in Mexico to our work in Cuba. Had a good conversation with our pastor in Ukraine. He's wanted me to go, and I'm like, I, I don't know I could go there. He says, well, you can, but you've got to fi- fly to Romania, and then from Romania you go by vehicle. So, I'm, you know, if the Lord gives me permission, that might be something we will do at the end of the year. But um, we've been pending to go to, to Ukraine. So when you give, I'm saying... Remember that your money doesn't just stop here, and you, you know, because a lot of people say, "Oh, our that, that money." Guys, this thing is run with money. Can you say, "Amen." I mean, we can have church in my house; y'all can go over next Sunday. But if y'all want to have church here, and I'm just kidding. It takes money to run an organization; It takes money an in institution. So, you know, you're not just supporting this; you're supporting all kinds of stuff. You know, what's going on in Cuba right now with these kids as we speak? That's your testimony. Well, I didn't go, Pastor. That's your testimony. Well, I only gave five bucks. That's your testimony. If you gave a nickel to that, you're part of that. And I think the, the greater you grow in that, the greater liberty you, got, you have to sow. With no pressure, no conflict in your spirit, just be obedient to the Lord. Amen? There's your information if you want to give online. And if not, there's envelopes should be near you. And there'll be a bucket at your exit. So go ahead one more time. Stand with me. And you will be dismissed. Um. I wanted to show you one last thing. This is coming up in a couple weeks. If you can throw that slide up. I forgot about it, RJ. Um, I'm going to be in Arizona. Once again, I've been doing this for over 20 years with um, Elson. But um, if you guys want to go to a beautiful, beautiful northern Arizona, this is just 30 minutes from the Grand Canyon. Um, Last year was really strange because it was the COVID thing. Navajo Nation was shut down. Right, Linda? Linda was there. It was was different. Yeah, Yeah. Hope you can go again, Linda. This time will be big. Now I think this year it's going to be back to what it used to be. Because last year was just really weird because they had them, like, parked in cars. And no, no, this is a tent meeting, old-style tent meeting. It's really fun and exciting. So I'll be there um, with a bunch of other friends. Jerry will be there this year. Brother Copeland won't be there. But Kate McBay will be there. She's also a pretty well-known speaker. And, of course, my brother and his family, Elson and Deborah Bennett and Michelle Williams. Um, she's from, where's Idaho up there? And Quincy Goodstar, he's uh, he pastures up in the Dakotas, the Lakota, and he's a North Dakota but Lakota Indian tribe. So we got the Navajo, the Lakota, and los Mexicanos, right? I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> so anyhow, that's going on. I encourage you to, you know, if you if you have nothing else, if you're not done vacationing. Run to Arizona and join us. Um, it's, like I say, it's just a beautiful place. So that's going on. In a, and if you're not going, just keep us in your prayers that our ministry will be efficient and that we will do what God has called us to do over there with our family in Arizona. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the word this morning. Thank you for the series as we wrapped it up. And, Lord, that we take these ideas. We take these ideas of stillness and quietness and covenant. And, Father, we walk out of here knowing one simple truth. We are not alone in this we will never walk alone. You got our back, Lord. I thank you for that. And I just thank you that the peace of God that passes all understanding will go with us wherever we may travel this week. And once again, we reaffirm this covenant of protecting. I thank you, Lord, for protecting Michelle and her family yesterday, for protecting me and all of us, Lord. That sometimes we just know that there is a covenant that has spoken about these kind of things. And we reaffirm it today, and we have peace over that in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Well, show yourself friendly to a couple people, and we'll see you guys next week. God bless you.